Warning. This podcast frequently contains potentially triggering, violent, and graphic content. Listener discretion is highly advised. Hello again, Nightmare Society. Another round for another episode of True Horror Stories. A big welcome to our newest official members of the Nightmare Society online campfire, Erica D., and the cat that lives in your walls. Welcome and thanks so much for your support, guys. It means a lot. At patreon.com slash nightmare society, you can join in on a bunch of different perks and all the support over there helps us create more content for you. So if you feel inclined, head over there and check it out. Other ways to support the podcast include following us on our social media, at Nightmare Society Radio and sharing us on yours. It's really helpful in growing our audience. And if your podcasting platform allows you to do so, leaving a positive review is also very helpful. A great big thanks goes to our contributors for sharing their stories with us. User Almac26 and user Yume130794 who was kind enough to share two of their stories with us tonight. Now, on to our warm and uplifting stories for the- Just kidding. Prepare to be sufficiently creeped out. So, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. Back in 2011, I was 21 years old, fresh out of university and living in the capital of the Philippines, Manila, for some months. I interned at a peace-building NGO while also playing semi-professional football, soccer, in the country's national league. A strange combination, but both roles are relevant to the story. My experience starts one rainy Saturday afternoon in November. Football was cancelled with a waterlogged pitch, but already downtown on my way to training, I decided to visit a fruit market listed in my Lonely Planet guide. This was pre-ubiquitous Google Maps days, at least in Manila. I must have looked lost, as two Filipino women, one middle-aged, One early twenties approached me from behind, raising their umbrella over my head and asking where I was headed. After some friendly chit-chat, it came to pass, without my prompting, that they had lived in the same neighborhood that I'm from in London, England. A strange coincidence and one that lowered my guard. They offered to take me to a better fruit market, one that required a taxi to reach. Naive, trusting, and nervous about offending, I got in this taxi, leading me through the winding, maze-like back streets of a manila slum. We exit and I'm utterly lost in an unfamiliar part of this sprawling city. Remember, this is pre-Google Maps and ride-sharing apps, leaving me at the absolute mercy of these women. 
With no fruit market in sight, they plead with me to come into their nondescript low-rise home for food and drink. My youthful naivety and reluctance to offend once again get the better of me. Whether due to trauma or time, I can't really remember what the inside of this place looks like, but I do remember it was dingy, had a TV with karaoke hooked up, and there was a man waiting when we arrived. Realizing what a sketchy situation I was in, I was conscious of anything they gave me to drink, watching them open the beer bottles in front of me. A couple of drinks in, the karaoke was flowing. I felt physically fine, but deeply uncomfortable, vulnerable, and trapped, and was waiting for the opportunity to leave. A tray of barbecue meat was brought out, always associating drugging with drink, not food. I had very little concern over eating it. The naivete of this would become instantly apparent. Putting this pork into my mouth, it had a strange medicinal flavor, but it would be too late before I connected the dots. My final memory that day was the younger woman, uncomfortably close to me, holding a microphone and flirtatiously singing the chorus of Hey Jude by the Beatles. While I drifted off, unable to keep my eyes open, I have virtually no memory of the next 24 hours of my life. I would wake up in a darkened room in the middle of the night, 1,000 kilometers south of Manila, in a city called DeVoe. To be clear, this DeVoe trip was one that I had previously scheduled for work, leaving the day after this incident. Still to this day, all I remember of the journey is waking up in seconds of sitting in a taxi on my way to the airport. I passed through customs, boarded a plane, collected my baggage, met my colleagues, and was driven to our work office slash apartment, all with zero memory of doing any of this. My colleagues did not suspect anything was wrong with me, mentioning later that I just seemed tired. It took some hours after waking up to piece together where I was and what had occurred. $200 had been withdrawn from my bank account, but I still had my wallet and phone. While I can't be certain, I concluded that I had been fed a drug popular in the Philippines called Ativan. I read similar stories of people being spiked, functioning relatively normal, becoming pliable, but having no memory of the incident. This would explain how I withdrew $200 while seemingly unconscious. To this day, I feel deeply uncomfortable at what may have occurred after I passed out, particularly with the behavior from the younger woman towards me just before I passed out. But those 24 hours of my life are gone, and I'll never know what happened. So to the two women in Manila who drugged and robbed me, let's not meet. building that has four apartments on each floor. The apartments are split in two groups by something we call a bubble. 
Basically, two apartments share this bubble, and there's a metal door guarding them before each tenant goes to their own doors. My husband works as a doctor, so he had to go to work for his night shift. I usually do house chores when he goes to work, so the house is clean when he comes back in the morning. I turn on the Scary Stories podcast on my Xbox and do my work. I have two cats, Zena, who is five years old, and Marcel, who is three months old, that are usually very playful during nighttime. At one point, they both stop chasing each other and stare at the door without moving or blinking. Zena, my eldest, having her back curled and silently hissing under the door. She never expresses such behavior. She is the chillest and most laid-back cat there is, so having her react like this made me very curious. At the same time, one of the stories that I was listening to was about home invaders, and how most of times said invaders will check on the houses they want to break into and learn the owner's schedules and such before breaking in. This made me feel very insecure and I turned the volume lower in order to hear what was going on on the other side of my door. Which, by the way, is impossible to get to unless you unlock the first metal door, which has the sole purpose of extra protection for my and my neighbor's apartment. My neighbor is a lonely old lady that has two cats of her own, and is ironically the building manager. It must have been around midnight, and she was most likely sound asleep by this time. I turned the volume to my TV down and go closer to the door, having Xena still not move from her position, pressing my ear against the door, searching for sounds. I couldn't hear much, except a distinguishing sound of heavy breathing, like an alcoholic breathing heavily. It gave me goosebumps, and I immediately started looking around the house for something to defend myself with, in case of a worst case scenario, thinking that if he broke past the metal door all by himself, then my apartment door might not even be a challenge for him. I took my husband's baseball bat and held on to it with my life. I took my cats and hid them in the cupboard under the sink. I don't know why. I don't have children yet, but that was what came to my mind first. The door. I opened the peephole to look at the person breathing through my door at midnight, and my heart sunk into my stomach. All I could see was an eye. A very veiny red and popped out eyeball staring back at me right into my soul, followed by repeated and faster breathing, as if it knew I was watching back. I didn't move or make a sound, hoping that it would make the creep go away, but that was not the case. Even when I moved back from the door, I see the doorknob moving frantically. He was trying to get inside murmuring something that I couldn't make out, as if in a frenzy. I freeze, holding the baseball bat to my shoulder level, basically preparing myself to bash out this guy's head if he managed to get inside. As he was trying desperately to get inside, fighting with both the doorknob and the keyhole, because I could hear noises coming from the keyhole, 
an idea came to mind. I rush to the living room, which is very close to the entrance door, and blast out the Scary Story podcast. Luckily, the specific story was narrated by a man with a very heavy voice, and from the outside it almost sounded like there was someone inside the apartment having a conversation, mostly a monologue. I live in a country where English is not a native language, and few people speak it. At last, what I prayed would work actually did. The moment I blasted the volume to max, the doorknob stopped moving. The breathing ceased and as I went back to the door and checked the peephole for that creepy man, he was no longer there, but the metal outside door was wide open. story is from the same user of the previous one. I live with my fiance in an apartment building on the sixth floor. It's the same as in my previous story. Four apartments on each floor, each split into a bubbled area, two and two, each pair having a bubble together. Basically a metal door guarding the two apartments and so on. I'm a cat fosterer. I take in stray cats and rehome them. Last week I took my kitty Leela to the vet for her deworming procedure. I step out of the elevator and there are roughly 10 steps more to make towards the entrance of our building. The entrance is guarded by a metal door, the bottom half, and glass, the upper half, with absolutely no other protection. Basically, any drunk or angry person can just smash the window and invite himself in without any problems. So I step outside the elevator and go for the main door where I notice this fairly young man, white hoodie, wearing a black cap and a pair of black sunglasses resting on his head. The most important detail, his right eye was swollen and purple, as if he caught a punch right into that eye. This guy is standing in front of the door, where I can clearly see his upper body positioned to my direction. I am thinking to myself, maybe he's looking for his keys or waiting on someone to come out and that's why he's standing there. I open the door and move exactly two steps out. This is the moment where this guy engages a conversation with me under the form of a request. I politely answer. Sorry, but I don't smoke, and try moving away with my errands. By the time I get to make another step, he already grabs the tip of Leela's ear. Not hard, not pulling, just playing with it. With an ice cold stare, asks me the following Do you want me to pick up your key and smash her into the cement? I am completely shocked but mostly furious because I'm an animal activist and I have absolutely no remorse to punch an abuser in the face. I look at him and ask him, What the fuck did you just say to me? Hoping that my tone and body language would make him back up and realize what a fucked up thing he said. But no, he's not moved by my reaction. Even repeats his question with a lower voice. I said, do you want me to pick up your kitty and smash her into the cement? 
I did not expect this. I don't know how to reply to such a question other than what I did. How could you ask me such a question? To which he replied with, Come on, go away, you're distracting me. Distracting him from what exactly? This is my building, you're sneaking around. You approached me, and at this point you're scaring me, mister. But I move away fast and get Leela's visit at the vet done. I tell my boyfriend about it and he is clearly angry I didn't call the police on the guy. But the police in my country are the type of officers that would more likely arrest the person that makes a phone call, rather than the one whom they are called to take actions on. Obviously I was afraid they would classify it as a prank call and I'd get into trouble. So I didn't. I decided to move on with my life and erase that experience out of my mind. Leaving aside the nightmares I had after that, I thought we were done. Not yet. My boyfriend works in a hospital, therefore he has day shifts and night shifts. I never had a problem of being alone by myself during nights, even if the neighborhood is not safe. It was actually pretty rough, but I would still sleep well knowing I am safe within my own home. So he leaves for work, closes our door, closes the metal door, the bubble door I mentioned earlier, and takes the elevator downstairs to exit the building. After 10 minutes, he calls me and the conversation went something like this. Hey babe, I don't want to scare you, but what exactly did you say that guy looked like? Well, black hair, brown eyes, black cap, and a pair of sunglasses. Oh, and his right... Right eye swollen from a bump. Yeah, why? I just met him. He's standing in front of the main door, kicking the door with his feet and slamming the glass with his palms. He was shouting at me to open the fucking door right now. Oh my god. Is he there now? Is he trying to get in? Where is he? I called the police the second he started shouting at me to let him in. I didn't. I told him to call the intercom or use his key. And what happened after you called the cops? He immediately ran away the second he saw me pull out my phone. I gave the officers his descriptions and left for work. Close the door twice, make sure the metal door is locked, and turn the key in. Call me the moment you feel something funny. For those of you who have never heard of this, if you have the ability to insert your key to the lock from the inside, this can prevent someone from picking the lock from the outside. Or so that's what I've been told. Thirty minutes after this conversation ended, my boyfriend calls me back to tell me that the officers called him back to let him know they found the guy that matched our description, but couldn't retain him as he did nothing wrong. Now you see why we can't call the police for small stuff. And they let him go. Remembering that he said he lives on the tenth floor, I go to the building manager, which is my door-to-door -door neighbor and tell her about this experience. I also ask her if there's anyone matching his description that lives in our building. She tells me there's a guy, same age, and looks like him that lives there. A guy that consumes drugs and alcohol, whose mother had passed away a while ago and now he lives there, by himself. Lately, we noticed knife marks inside the elevator cabin all over the walls. The lines are horizontal, long 
take that elevator twice a day at least. There's no way you can't see them. I'm beginning to have night terrors and wake up in the middle of the night to sounds at the door. I have the constant feeling that someone's playing with a set of keys outside our door, and so on. It's consuming me because I had such an experience where the metal door wasn't probably locked properly, and someone got so close to almost breaking into my house. If it weren't for my cats smelling the culprit that let me know there was an intruder. And now I'm obsessed with the thought that maybe this psycho could be my neighbor. And possibly these won't be the last times we meet him. The bare thought of him walking around with a knife and scathing walls. Being outside our door scares me so bad. And if it weren't enough, my boyfriend opened up to me with a similar situation one night when he got home from work. He said I was inside sleeping that night and he came home late at around 10 to 11 p.m. He said he had gotten out of the elevator at our floor and had only just closed the elevator door when he heard a rustling noise. Like when you wear a winter jacket on a mountain and move your arms around your body. That's the sound that he heard. He said that the moment he stopped moving, that noise stopped as well. He remembered feeling as if he had gotten out the moment someone was climbing up the stairs to the next floor. But when he didn't move, that person stopped along with him. So my boyfriend waited and waited and waited trying to replicate the sound, but with no avail. He told me he waited for maybe 10 minutes until out of nowhere, right from like the middle area of the first set of stairs, some guy coming down, not up as he heard the person going, passed by him and went to the lower floors. No words, he couldn't see his face well. And only after my boyfriend waited around for 10 minutes for something. Obviously now I'm scared that someone is stalking us. Or is scouting out the apartments to see who's not home. I can assure you all though. My faithful baseball bat from the peeping eye story is still with me. And I will not hold back to smash some intruder's head in if my home is invaded. So, to my neighbor who has no idea what compassion, manners, boundaries, intimacy, and so on are all about, let's not 